0: It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Last week, we had the guru. He was fantastic. Today, we've got my dude from Eat, Sleep, Fantasy. Awesome. Um, speaking of awesome. This MFL draft we're in right now, Evan. Really really enjoying it. Uh we need to talk at some point. Maybe we'll wait till after the draft is finished to talk about, you know, your picks, my picks and and who we took. Uh reminder that we already have people entering to get into the second MFL draft. In fact, today I'll give you three more contestants, so that'll be 6 down and 4 to go. All you need to do is take advantage of any of the sponsors we have for you at RossTucker.com on the sponsor page, or that I say on the show here, and take advantage of their deal, whatever it is, forward it to me, Ross, at RossTucker.com, and say, I want you, I want Evan, I'm going to dominate you guys, I want in, and that's exactly what Jennifer Hilliard did. She's awesome. She emailed me. She made a purchase using the Amazon banner ad on the homepage. And she said, Ross, I don't imagine that you have too many 50-plus-year-old female lawyers in the league. I want in. Jennifer, you are right, and you are in, and you are awesome. That is awesome. 50-plus-year-old female lawyer in the NFL draft. I love it. Noah Kreitel, he... Uh, made a deposit and signed up for a free uh, an account over at Draft which you can get on the the sponsor page There's a good deal for you guys over at Draft that like to play over there. So Noah Critel you are in and Justin Christopher bought some Sax underwear using our deal. I only wear Sax. I don't wear any underwear other than Sax because it's that awesome. And so Justin Christopher, he knows the deal, so You're the next three contestants. Congratulations. Up next, uh, we'll pick three more next week. So you guys know the deal. You could easily be the next three that we pick next week. And by the way, you could do it by getting awesome, awesome jeans at a crazy inexpensive price from MottandBow.com. M-O-T-T-A-N-D-B-O-W.com. I've actually talked with their founder, Alejandro Chehan, and he is awesome. Grew up in Honduras manufacturing jeans. His whole family did. So he moved to New York and said, Look, we can make these designer jeans for a lot less. Like you don't just because they're designer jeans and they are great quality and fit awesome, doesn't mean they have to cost like over two hundred bucks. They are at least half the price of designer jeans, yet the same quality in part because you know, they're, they're manufacturing it themselves also because they're cutting out the middleman and you know, they don't have a store. You just order it online, Mot and and enter promo code feast at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. Again, Mot and It's a great deal because they're already like less than half the price of what they'd be at a store. And then you get 15% off my Enter promo code FEAST. Speaking of FEAST, how about a little next meal, Bri? Next meal. As promised, very excited to be joined by one of the studs from the Eat Sleep Fantasy Podcast. You can follow them on Twitter at EatSleepFF as well as our guest personally, John Chapman at JL underscore chapman john it's ross and evan on the fantasy feast podcast man thanks so much for coming on the show
1: yeah man just glad to be here love what you guys do and who doesn't love food so food and fantasy let's go hey are you gonna john are you gonna be in dallas this weekend man i unfortunately am not i will be out in vegas for the events out there but Eatsley fantasy they're gonna be there
0: Awesome. Well, I'm going, I'll be there. It'll be my first national fantasy football convention. So anybody that's going to be there, uh, please make sure you say hello. Bri will be there with me, the producer. So please say hi, stop by our booth. We have a booth where we'll be recording player interviews and stuff like that. So please stop by and I'll, I'll looking forward, John, to meeting some of some of your other guys, um, should be, should be awesome to to meet some of the crew I guess i I always like to start there, John, which is just your background. I mean, obviously, you guys have a successful show. How did you get to the point like where do you live, and how did you get to the point where you where you're a part of what you guys are doing at eat sleep fantasy
1: man it's It's been an absolute blast, so eat sleep fantasy if you don't know. we're a little crazy, so we like to have a good time and talk fantasy football, obviously, but we are kind of like our niche market is personalized specialty so we put out rankings. We do all that kind of stuff. But through our membership programs, we offer one on one personal content and contact. So if you need like a draft coach to help you with your fantasy stuff, we're there for you. If you need like a hotline to call in and get kind of immediate response for stuff, that's what we're there for. Now, me personally, Dallas is my wrecking grounds. Uh, born and raised out there, high school football coach out there for a long time. And just recently had to move out to California. I know, suffering a lot. But what I like to do now is I'm just a crazy film junkie. Um, I watch film nonstop, just kind of the ex-coach in me. And we try to bring that to the fantasy analysis part. I also do a lot with 49ers. Uh, I host the 49ers Rush podcast as well, where we get kind of crazy in depth and just break down snap counts, tendencies, scheme breakdowns, all that kind of stuff. But... Man, it's been fun. So we're about two years into this thing, and it's going really, really well. Come see Dale Christian or Mondo. They'll be out at uh, NFFC and have a drink or get some awesome barbecue. Great barbecue places down there. So make sure you take full advantage.
0: Awesome. Absolutely awesome. All right, so then um, I got a couple questions. I usually let Evan you know, ask most of the, the questions, but I always have a couple. And I think the first one is actually something I want both of you guys to chime in on. We are recording this at 9.20 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday, <laughs> uh, which is 6.20 uh, for John out in California, 8.20 for Evan drinking mimosas literally at the airport right now going to see our buddy Warren Sharp. I guess I'm the only one that's just not cool sitting in an office in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, but whatever. Um, so, but the, the Lashawn McCoy news has come down, And John, Evan and I do a bunch of best ball drafts with our listeners. And so I'm sure I I know, Evan, somebody already took him for that draft. I, you know, we'll get more information before the actual season starts. But for right now, with people doing best ball drafts, I'd like to know what both of you guys would be thinking or what you would be doing in that regard. And I would just tell you. From my perspective, given the nature of the allegations and the pictures, man, I kind of feel like he's going to go on that commissioner's exempt list until this gets resolved. Um, But we'll see, I guess, as more and more information comes out. But, John, how would you, if you're in best ball drafts right now, how would you treat LaShawn McCoy? Do you not take him at all, or – is he worth like a pick, uh, a late round flyer, in case he is able to play this year, and maybe something doesn't happen to him until next off season?
1: Yeah, the the sad thing is we we have a little bit of experience with this type of issue, uh, with Zeke, even Ruben Foster, which just got played out. I uh, know he's not a fantasy guy, but still the same process. You're going to have to wait for the legal process to bear out here. Uh, bare minimum. Uh, is a six-game suspension, which we saw, if any of these allegations are true. However, we're not going to know that until everything is hashed out. So um, the idea for me is his ADP in best ball leagues is right around 21, that kind of 20 to 24 range. I'm not taking him there, obviously. I would not have a problem taking him around that fourth to fifth round, but usually he gets auto-drafted or drafted by somebody way before that. But if you're in a best ball right now, man, you got to punt LaShawn McCoy and stay away from where he's at just because, man, he could not play a snap. If these allegations are true, because it's more than just the domestic stuff. There's drugs. There's child abuse. There's all kinds of allegations out there. But I I don't think that this will bear out by the preseason. I'm thinking this is going to be a bigger thing that might play out in the middle of the season or even next year, like you said. Evan, what what's your
0: current take on LaShawn McCoy for people that are doing best balls all the time this time of year?
2: DN, <clears throat> DND. Do not draft. <laughs> Same deal with uh, you know, pretty much Zeke Elliott last year. We were able to profit significantly off of that, taking Antonio Brown over him. But what I can't stop thinking about, Ross, is if I was in Dallas, I think I could take you down. What do you think? If I if I came at you, I could you know if I took you by the waist. That could put you on put you on your back. What do
0: you think? The only chance you would have to try to take me down would be in a barbecue eating contest or an or an IPA contest. And just so you know, even though I try to eat healthy, I would destroy you in both of those. I'm trying to not really? gain double really? digit weight pounds this weekend, but honestly, Evan, I I yearn to hit somebody and you are big enough that I'm a people really wouldn't say it was bad of me to do so right. if you are up for signing up for a waiver um, that says that you can't file charges or do a lawsuit I would love to to have you try to go against me the, in a the, pass the, rush the, or the something the day
2: is coming and I would I can't wait to just light up a, an NFL player I can't wait oh
0: like Bart this Scott is music to my wait. ears be- w- cuz th- this is this is going to happen We will video it. It will go viral. And I'm going to mess up your face, which might actually be a good thing. might be an improvement um, by the time I'm done. Uh, John, my last question before (laughs) I hand it off to Evan for some higher level stuff is, in the latest best ball we did, I had the number one pick. And I asked uh, John Hanson, the fantasy guru, last week this. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you who I ended up taking. I'm going to ask you – do you think that there's a lot of discussion over who should be the number one pick in drafts this year or no?
1: There's not, but there should be. Um, if you know, There's kind of the big four elite running backs that are going in that spot, and if every single one of them hits their ceiling this year, I think David Johnson's the number one player. Um, so I'm taking David Johnson in that spot. I know he's going fourth right now. But, again, if everything bears out and the fantasy gods smile down upon us, David Johnson, he has the highest ceiling, um, and I, I don't think it's even close.
0: Wow. All right. I love it. I love it. I'm glad. I, I took Gurley, but I, you, yeah. I I can I can see on David Johnson, especially since they're going to be losing every game, and he's probably going to catch a bunch of passes too, um, which could help. They, they know they're not good, so they'll probably give him the ball in the first half to run it, and then when they're losing, they'll throw it to him. So that's – that's interesting, John. Evan, I'll let you have in the a lot- floor.
2: No, if, if they're smart, he will catch 100 balls this year. I mean, he, he should catch 100 balls, like, like no problem. His goal has been 1,000 rushing and 1,000 receiving. He almost got to that a couple years ago, but he got hurt in that Week 17 game. Uh, Bruce Arians really wanted to, to get him there, and you know that was like the goal of the team, but it just didn't come together because of that, that Week 17 injury. But, uh, yeah, so John, I know that you are a major 49ers expert. So let's start there. People are very aggressively drafting Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo finished last season. He was excellent. You know, they finished five and Uh He actually didn't throw that many touchdown passes. He led a lot of field goal drives. Didn't, but he didn't have great red zone targets. You know, George Kittle was a, a, a part time player at that time. What do you think about Jimmy G's ADP this year? Because he's going in the top 10. I can't even fit him into my top 13.
1: Yeah, it's getting a little crazy. <laughs> it's getting a little crazy out there for him. And you understand the hysteria with all the stats and um, all the kind of just everything that he has been able to do. You got to remember, he took over a 1-9 football team and goes 5-0. and and played against three playoff teams during that time. And when, whenever you consider that, I get it. And as a 49ers fan, I absolutely love it. I love Jimmy G. Now, fantasy-wise, if we look at how he ended, uh, he, he closed off the season with three straight 20-point fantasy games, the only quarterback in the NFL to do so. Um, so he's got that. But the touchdowns are a major issue. He only had six touchdowns, passing touchdowns, and his five starts. Um, that's obviously not going to cut it. But where he's going to have his kind of his bread and butter is going to be pass yards. Uh, the 49ers threw the ball the second most times. Uh, they, were, they just had one fewer pass attempt than the Giants. And Kyle Shanahan, he slings it. And the addition of Jarek McKinnon's only going to help that there. And if you take those stats of Jimmy G and his five starts and you prorate that over 16 games, he leads the NFL in passing yards by over 300. Um, pretty close to almost 5,000 yards passing, which uh, that's only been done nine times in the NFL. I'm not saying he's going to hit that mark this year, but the potential is there. And so, it, man, it, it's hard. The biggest problem he said is what you said, uh, what you alluded to with the low touchdown numbers, because that is a core tendency to Kyle Shanahan offenses. They do not throw a lot of touchdown passes usually, but huge on yards. So, you know, my projections, where I kind of have him at, I think he's going to get pretty close to 4,800 yards, but I cannot see him getting past 26 touchdowns. I, every time I try to stat out my projections, it's just like I, I don't see it there. So I think that 8-9 to nine quarterback range is where he should be going, but, man, I'm, I've seen him go in front of Cam Newton. I've seen him go in front of Carson Wentz. And I just – I don't understand that, and I'm a 49ers guy, so I'm with you there. Yeah.
2: Um, All right, so we probably agree that he's probably being a little overdrafted. Um, With that said, we think he's going to have a good year. He's just not maybe going to live up to his ADP. Um, Who's going to be catching these touchdowns? Because we saw last year Robbie Gould was like the best fantasy player on the team when when, <laughs> when Jimmy B. Garoppolo was was in there because Robbie, good as gold, was scoring all the points for the team. And, you know, Jimmy, you know, they call him Jimmy GQ. I call him Jimmy FG, Jimmy field goal. So this year, who is going to be scoring these touchdowns? Pierre Garçon has never been a big touchdown scorer. You know, Marquise Goodwin is a long ball threat, but – He's not a like a red zone guy. Who is going to be scoring these passing touchdowns that Jimmy field goal is going to be throwing? <laughs> I,
1: I like that. It kind of hurts every time I hear you say it, but I, but it makes sense. Um, actually, the leader for the 49ers in touchdown receptions I have is the tight end George Kittle this year. Um, he has locked down that starting tight end spot. They got him in the third round last year out of Iowa, and he is just a man. Uh, He's mean as hell, and if you watch film, you'll just see him just destroying corners and outside linebackers. He's a mean guy. But outside of that, he catches the ball very, very well. And I really do think he – the the crazy stat is he had the fifth most red zone targets last year uh, for tight ends. He had 16 red zone targets, so basically was getting one a game. And he didn't even take on full starting rights until about the third or fourth game. It was shared. But like many 49ers, when Jimmy Garoppolo came in, his stats took a gigantic leap forward. And so his last three fantasy uh, scoring games, uh, weeks 15, 16, 17, were 9.2 points, 13.2 points, and then 14. So he ended on such a huge, and he only got one touchdown during that time. Uh, he even had a 100-yard receiving game. So I really do think with what Kyle Shanahan does with play action, man, it favors that athletic tight end that can sell out blocking and then release out uh, to, to destroy the zone. And that, that's kind of what he's there for. So I, my projection for him, I have him getting six touchdowns this year, which, again, that's not a lot, but for a tight end it is. Uh, he should finish in kind of that tight end six to seven range. Uh, I wish he got more targets, but it seems like they only look his way on third down and in goal line situations.
2: It, it's good to be right, John, and you, you're right on, on that. Good, G- give him the give him the uh, the correct answer, Bell. Uh, <laughs> Jarrett, let's talk about Jarrett McKinnon. I want to hear about Jarek McKinnon because he's a hot button player in the fantasy football community right now. Some people are like, oh, you know, he stinks, which people have been saying for years, by the way. But, you know, the truthers are there. You know, he's a very polarizing player right now. His ADP is high. I mean, he's right around that 2-3 turn. Uh, How do you feel about Jarek? How do you think that the backfield is going to play out? They have a couple of interesting guys. No one even takes Matt Breida until, like, the 18th round. But everyone wants Jarek McKinnon. How is this backfield going to play out?
1: Yeah, uh, I I like that you brought up Breida because everywhere Kyle Shanahan has ever been, he has always used two running backs. He has never just had the one bell cow guy, and Jarek McKinnon is not going to be that guy. Um, He is going to be the starter, and he is going to take probably 60 to 65% of the snaps, and that should be plenty for fantasy relevance. But if you're taking Jarek McKinnon in that second round, you're not looking for fantasy relevance. You're looking for a stud. And he has that potential. And the main reason why is this. This is the first time in NFL history that we have this type of back in this type of system. Kyle Shanahan, again, I know I'm biased, but he's an innovator. And he is able to combine multiple different schemes and create the matchups he wants. And that's what Jarek McKinnon's going to bring to the table. Uh, most people don't realize he finishes the number seventeen running back last year and didn't really play in the first four games until Dalvin Cook went down. Uh, he was in a super backup role, and so if you plug him into this system where Carlos Hyde was the number eight fantasy running back last year, and he had a lot, he led the entire NFL in dropped passes as far as running backs go, Carlos Hyde did, and you replace that with Jarek McKinnon, who's Career catch rates are 66%, 72%, 81%, 75%. So you're talking about a guy that could have Sean, uh, sorry, Christian McCaffrey type numbers in the passing game. Uh, it's very easy to see him to get 60-plus uh, receptions, not to mention all the, the rushing attempts that he's going to have there too. So if you play that out, man, I, I do believe the late – Second to early third round is where he should go. But if you are expecting a top five fantasy kind of B season, I I don't think that he's capable of doing that because, again, he's not the goal line guy. Uh, My biggest critique of Jarek McKinnon in his game film is that he goes down on first contact. He is a space player, and I think Kyle Shanahan will be able to set him up to do that. But once you get down third and two, I'm not seeing him as the guy that's going to pound it in for a touchdown. I think that's going to be Matt Breida. Um, I really, really do. Matt Breida, uh, undrafted free agent out of Georgia Southern. The funny thing is both the running backs for the 49ers both went to Georgia Southern. Um, So the fighting Bulldogs down there representing the NFL. But Matt Breida's kind of bread and butter, and what he brings to the table is he's an amazing one-cut north-south runner that doesn't waste time. Um, He averaged 4.4 yards per carry last year whenever Carlos Hyde in that exact same offense was well under four yards of carry. And that's just kind of what he does. He doesn't waste space. And he, even though he's small and shifty like McKinnon, he's actually not a great pass catcher. So I think we're going to have very clearly defined roles moving forward with this offense. And I could see Jarek McKinnon being the predominant guy that gets 65% of the snaps. And then you're going to bring in Breida and Kyle Juszczyk on goal line situations to kind of get those short yardage uh, carries. Makes sense.
2: Hey, hey, Ross, I know that you're intimidated earlier from our our earlier uh, back and forth, but it sounded like you you wanted to chime in there. Well,
0: I I, I just I I love that the Niners conversation, anytime you mention Kyle Juszczyk, it's like it's it's music to my ears. But I also wanted to get your thoughts, John, on some other teams as well. I thought the David Johnson thing was interesting. Give me give me an, uh, a player or two that you are higher on than the experts this time of year. You are an expert, you know what I mean, like the consensus or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and then a player or two that y- you just don't get it and you're not taking him at his current ADP.
1: Yeah, so a player that I'm staying away from is Nick Chubb. Um, you know, you brought up kind of the consensus ranks and stuff that scares you man, Nick Chubb scares the living daylights out of me. And it has nothing to do with Nick Chubb, unfortunately. Like, I loved his film. I love his kind of power and speed combo through the whole – I mean, I think he's, his film was awesome and very, very fun to watch. But the problem is, where did he go? And I really did think that this was the worst, worst landing spot for any rookie running back just because, you know, they signed Carlos Hyde to a three-year deal, $15 million. And then they draft this guy at the top of the second round. And you're thinking, okay, cool. Well, maybe Duke Johnson's go. This is the last year of his deal. There's going to be room there. Oh, well, after they draft Nick Chubb, then they signed him to a three-year extension as well and Duke Johnson. So that took place after the draft. That's what people keep seeming to forget. And even if they cut Carlos Hyde next year, that doesn't do anything for you fantasy-relevant this year. And it's a you're not even saving any money. They only save about $1 million if they do that. So that's going to be three studs in that backfield. And I just do not see the volume being there. I really, really don't. And whenever you throw in Jarvis Landry, who's a target monster, um, Josh Gordon, David Njoku, there's so many mouths to feed that I just cannot see a way for him to have kind of reliable fantasy relevance. And the, the play that kind of burned me on... The Cleveland Browns, fantasy-wise, I had Isaiah Crowell in a couple leagues. He goes off for a 60-yard touchdown to end the half, comes back out, and didn't touch the ball again last year uh, in that game. So, like, I mean, there's something going on. The play calling is going to change, I understand, in Cleveland, but that is just a very toxic situation with a crowded backfield that I just want no part of.
2: Yeah, that, that Cleveland backfield just depresses me. Because I really like all three backs in the backfield, but it's impossible to parse out. First of all, we know that we, that all the guys are going to lose passing down work to Duke Johnson, and then we don't know how it's going to play out between the two front line backs. We're both very talented dudes. It's just it's a depressing backfield. And they're, they're playing on a bad team, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So. I've been taking none of those guys in drafts, honestly. I'm going to just let other people take them, and they can, they can have that headache. John, I, I'm going to be not man. dealing with that. John, I know that you're big on, on rookies and dynasty league analysis. I wanted to ask you about one of your yeah. favorite players, Naheem Hines. His stock has risen recently. Can you explain why? And also, how do you feel about him just both in the short and the long term?
1: Yeah, Nguyen Mines is a fun kid. Um, you know, out of NC State, he's fast as all get-out, um, just tore up the combine, and it, he stepped into a great situation. We talked earlier about the worst situation with the Browns. There were three, like, golden opportunities for running backs in this year's draft, and I think the Colts were one, Tampa Bay was one, and the Giants were, were the other one. So th- those three kind of stood out to me pre-draft, saying whoever lands here man, you got to highlight because they're going to have the opportunity. And fantasy football, opportunities half the battle. If you get the shot, um, then who knows what can happen. Um, all of these guys are super talented, no doubt about it, especially Naheem Hines. Now, let's just say hypothetically, and this is kind of a big hypothetical, but I am planning on it. Andrew Luck comes back and plays this season healthy. His shoulder's fine, and everything's going to be all right. Well, their number one priority, which they showed in the draft, is to protect Andrew Luck. They took two guards in the top three rounds and maybe one of the better uh, offensive guards to come out of the draft in recent history, um, Quinton Nelson. So Naheem Hines is a little bitty guy, and a lot of people have him pegged as the third down back, and that's fine because he kind of fits in that mold. Uh, Small, shifty, super quick. But what people don't understand is... Naheem Hines rated out as the number one pass-protecting running back in the entire NFL draft, according to Pro Football Focus. And when you watch his film, you see it. He's not a guy that sits back in the pocket and just, like, catches guys. He eats up grass, he gets up into the O-line space, and he covers ground. And he's mean as hell. Stays very, very low and is very active with his feet. And so if you're, again, back to this idea, a fantasy running back paired in an Andrew Luck offense always dominates. Um, it's just what it is and then with Robert Turbin being suspended for those first games this is going to throw Naheem Hines into at minimum that third down role and I understand Marlon Mack's going to get his and some people are talking about Jordan Wilkins and he's very talented as well but he's going to be kind of that bigger short yardage guy Naheem Hines is going to be a third down back this year at worst but you're talking about a possible RB1 with Andrew Luck long-term in a stout offensive line now, man, I really do think that this kid, he's basically going free in redraft leagues. You can get him kind of 15th, 16th round, and if you are patient with him, he can pay huge dividends for your roster.
2: Yeah, I think he's intriguing as well, and I love to hear about him being a good pass blocker because coaches
1: love that. You know and, and that's what keeps them off the field. You know, if exactly, you look at like exactly. Jeremy McNichol's last year with Tampa Bay, he got cut and he was a fourth round, fourth or fifth round running back. Like if you can block, you play in the NFL. They're all talented, all the running backs, but usually only carry three or four. So if you can actually protect your QB and pick up your assignments, you're gonna play. And this kid, man, he's got that in stage. Yeah.
2: And there are some fantasy analysts who talk about like, you know the the guys only end up pass blocking on like twenty five of their snaps all year, which is a very small percentage, but the coaches care about that. And guess who dictates playing time? Coaches. So it doesn't matter that they're only pass blocking on ten percent of their snaps. What matters is what the coaches want. And that's gonna dictate playing time. And if the guys can pass block, that's gonna mean a lot. Marlon Mack, guess what? He couldn't pass block and he fumbled. You know, he cost the Colts a game by fumbling in his own territory against the Titans last year, um, and he was a boomer bus runner, and he, had, he actually ranked 11th among uh, all players in the NFL in 20-plus yard runs, but he only averaged 3.8 yards per carry because he got buried behind, because he danced behind the line of scrimmage so much. So, he, you know, I, I liked Marlon Mack coming out of college, but... If he's going to keep making those same mistakes that he did at UCF, he's going to get bounced by someone like Naheem Hines or Jordan Wilkins. So I think it's a really in, in, interesting conversation. Staying on the topic of the Colts, look, this could be a very good offense. If we get back Andrew Luck and this offensive line comes together, which the Colts are, you know, Chris Ballard is trying to make happen, who's going to be the second receiver, John? We have T.Y. Hilton. We have a couple of tight ends and Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron. We don't know how this three-receiver set is going to play out. What are your thoughts on this receiver core?
1: Yeah, um, you know, the second receiver threat is going to be the guy you mentioned. I think it's going to be Jack Doyle. And the last time that we saw Andrew Luck and Jack Doyle on the same field, they went out and signed Jack Doyle to an extension in season because they love that guy so much. And Andrew Luck can't stop talking about him. I mean, the fantasy production is going to be there and continue to be there. But as far as uh, wide receivers go, man, there is a three-way competition between Chester Rogers, and, and I get it, Chester Rogers a guy. <laughs> um, he, he's going to have a role because he's a possession guy, and he's always where he's supposed to be, and, and we totally get that. But the idea is there's a rookie. And he wasn't even the first rookie wide receiver drafted by the Colts. That was Fountain who was the first guy. But Dion Kane, wide receiver out of Clemson, I think that this is his job to win. And OTAs, they already saw uh, what he could do, and they put him in the starting lineup. And the big reason why I'm high on this kid is he fell big time just due to off-the-field concerns. Uh, whenever he was at Clemson, he had a lot of issues uh, with failed drug tests, uh, team suspensions, things like that. And it, it kind of got the best of him. So I understand why he fell. But once you get on the field, talent is talent, and position coaches and all that stuff. That's fine. If you can play when you're out there, then that's great. And this is a guy that's going free right now, and um, in redraft leagues. So you've got these three guys: Ryan Grant, Chester Rogers, and Deion Kane, that are uh, going to win this job. One of those three. But Deion Kane is an absolute stud on the field. He's one of the most physical wide receivers I've ever graded at the college level. He really reminded me of young Des Bryant. And he is mean across the field, period. Whether it's uh, run blocking, he is mean as hell. And not to mention, he has amazing hands and explosiveness. So whenever you plug him in, a, in again, and this is the Andrew Luck uptick, the number two wide receiver in that offense is going to dominate. And these are the type of guys that I love to target because if I get it wrong, oh, man, I lost my 16th round pick, right? And it's going to pan out early. You're going to know in preseason by preseason week three if he's going to be the guy or not because they're going to throw him out there in the preseason and see what he can do. And so this is one of those mitigated risks that you can take that's got super high upside and very low downside. So love Dion Kane in Dynasty and Redraft because if luck is healthy, he will have fantasy relevance this year, and he's basically free right now.
2: Dion, quote, Des Bryant, unquote, Kane.
0: I love it. <laughs> there it that, is, That's, that's what we're going to that name the show. That's what we're going to name
2: the show. No, I love it. All right, so we've covered like the 49ers and the, and the Colts. From, from front to back, which I think is great because there's a lot of buying opportunities in this, but I actually want to throw it back to the 49ers because I cannot figure out this wide receiver core. I think we've established that we really like George Kittle. He's the best red zone threat on the team, but how is this receiver core going to play out? Okay, Let me, let me just break down this, this wide-out depth chart. Pierre Garçon, he's 32, kind of off the neck injury. They trade up for Dante Pettis at number 44 overall. They obviously love this dude. Trent Taylor, I liked him a lot coming out of college. He made an immediate impact, but he's coming off this back surgery. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, you know, they gave uh, Marquise Goodwin this extension. How is this wide receiver core going to play out? Are they going to play a rotation? You know, who's going to play the most? Who should we be drafting in fantasy football leagues?
1: So, uh, man, you, you talked about rotation, and that is kind of what takes place in this offense. And so just, just to kind of highlight that point, um, between these four wide receivers last year, Aldrick Robinson, uh, Kendrick Bourne, Lewis Murphy Jr., Victor Baldwin, they combined for over 950 snaps. And so in Kyle Shanahan's offense, it's not just your starter. You stay out there every play. That's not what they do. Uh, they are constantly moving and trying to create schemes with what they're trying to do. And the, 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 he kind of tips his play sometimes because when you got all the big guys in there, he's going to run or do play action every single time. Whenever he spreads out and puts his little guys like Trent Taylor and Aldrick Robinson and these guys, he's going to motion out to empty and try to just get uh, one-on-one man coverage across and create space. So, so just understand it's not just your starting guys that have fantasy relevance in this offense. Again, I already said they throw the ball second most time in the nfl but dante pettis and you talked about how they traded up for him he was the only play the only wide receiver in the entire nfl draft that was traded up for and kyle shanahan loved this guy and went and got him and whenever he drafted him, he said he's not just a three down guy he's a four down guy uh he's going to be the punt returner he broke deshaun jackson's uh college record for most punt return touchdowns with nine uh the kid is special And kind of what he does is he is a guy that creates crazy space with amazing routes and he's never dropped a pass. Like he had a zero uh, drop rate through four years in Washington. And the first time I saw him was when uh, I was scouting John Ross. We remember the huge draft bus already, maybe a year out. I don't know if we can say that, but I feel okay saying that. Um, But I was breaking down John Ross's film and the whole time I'm like, who the hell is this other guy on the other side of the field? And Dante Pettis was the number one wide receiver when John Ross was there, and he was the number one wide receiver afterwards. And he is a guy that might not have a clearly defined starting role, but I guarantee you is going to have four to five plays a game that are targeted just for him, whether that's screens, uh, whether that's in an empty set where he's one-on-one with a backer or safety. He is, And if you're in a fantasy league with any type of special teams uh, bonus points, Man, Dante Pettis is going to be an absolute stud year one in that offense. And then you brought up Trent Taylor and his back surgery. This is something that scares the mess out of me because this front office has been so transparent. The 49ers have had a lot of people come through and coaches that, you know, refuse to say anything. Well, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, since they've taken over San Francisco, they have been uber transparent except for this issue. Uh, every time it's been brought up, they brush it aside. Oh, it's something we were planning on doing. It's just clean up. Not a big deal. Should be ready by training camp. Should be ready by training camp. I don't think it's going to be that way. Um, anytime people step out of their natural tendencies and behaviors, that raises a red flag for me. So Trent Taylor is a guy that if he is, we're going to find out during preseason, but man, I, part of me says he might be a list candidate. And if so, man, Dante Pettis, you cannot get him early enough. He is going to be a guy that will produce if that is the case.
2: Love it. Um, all right, last question. Last question. I want to hear your thoughts on the on the receivers that are going to make an immediate impact in this class because I think that the highest ADP'd rookie wide receiver right now is DJ Moore in like the 14th round. Okay. People have kind of given up on rookie-wide receivers, and for good reason. I mean, 15, 16, 17 classes have been just atrocious. We had that unbelievable 14 class with, you know, Allen Robinson, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But ever since then, we haven't gotten any rookie production, you know, with with, with a few minor exceptions like Juju Smith-Schuster last year, but... You know, Corey Davis, John Ross, Mike Williams gave us nothing. Those were the first rounders last year. And you look back at the 15 and 16 classes, same kind of deal. So are we going to get any immediate production from this rookie wide receiver class, um, beginning with DJ Moore and going on down the list?
1: So I I like how you put things into perspective for the audience, which should help. Again, Juju Last year was great, but he finishes the wide receiver 22, so you don't have a rookie finishing kind of in that wide receiver one or two range, which, you know, top 12 or top 24 wide receivers. If we go back to 2015, Amari Cooper was number 21, and that kind of that's going to be this class. There is not going to be a top 10 wide receiving output by a rookie this year. Um, there, it's just not going to happen. There's none of them landed in the ideal situation and had the talent that matched the scheme to where that could be a possibility. So having said those things, who are some guys I'm targeting that are rookie wide receivers? Christian Kirk is a guy that I love. He's going number 182 overall, and he's the 62nd wide receiver off the board. So again, we're talking about a guy that's much later in the draft. And the reason why I love him this year is he is going to be starting outside play one. Um, the kid has impressed, um, he, he, well-seasoned wide receiver that you know he runs the entire route tree. And one of the things that sets him apart is his stride. Whenever he catches the ball in stride, the angles of all the defenders when they're trying to catch him are just off. Uh, he's kind of that guy that takes a slant to the house 50 yards running in between the safety and backside corner as he cuts across the field. And so if they can figure out a way to get this guy, the ball in space, I think that it's going to do wonders. And on top of that, I really do think Josh Rosen's winning that starting job. Um, if not by week one, I'd say by week four for sure, whether that's injury to Sam Bradford or just by outperforming him. But I think Rosen is going to be the guy there and why not pair him up to get him comfortable with a rookie quarterback and a rookie wide receiver right off the bat. And I think that these two could be studs for a long time. I love Josh Rosen, loved his film. And after this year, or whenever Fitz decides to kind of hang up the cleats and he's one of the best of all time, Kirk is going to be the slot guy in that offense. And so you're talking about a guy that has 100-catch potential long term. But this year, I I really do think that he, as far as the rookie wide receivers go – he's going to have one of the best opportunities to be fantasy relevant week one because he will be an immediate starter in that offense. There's nobody to compete against, uh, Bryce Butler and J.J. Nelson, but he just has to beat out one of those guys for a starting spot, and I would put him ahead of both personally.
0: Awesome. I, I knew you guys were good. Whew. That was really good. Really appreciate it. I love the in-depth knowledge of the Colts. and the, Can you do that for every team? What
1: you just did for the Colts and the Niners? <laughs> hey, man. Uh, East Sleep Fantasy. We work our tail lids off because we love this stuff. So you guys ever want us back on, please don't hesitate to reach out. More.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you can do that for every team, Evan might have to get replaced. That was incredible. That was awesome, John. <laughs> really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good one. That was awesome.
0: I knew it would be. I love this time of year where we are gearing up. I mean, it's can you smell it? Fantasy football is in the air, Evan. I absolutely love it. Fantastic. And that also means that some of you might be wanting to get your financial house in order before you start to go ahead and enter into some fantasy leagues. The place I'd recommend doing that, Lightstream. Lower the interest rate on your credit card debt with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Listen, if you listen to this podcast, you're smart. You know the interest rates on the credit cards are crazy. So get a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Get your loan down to 5.89% APR with AutoPay. And then you're only paying one entity rather than several of them. They've got loans from 5000 all the way up to 100000 Dollars. So here's the deal. You guys can even get an additional interest rate discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates. But the only way to get the discount is to go to lightstream.com slash feast. Again, lightstream L-I-G-H-T S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash feast to get an additional discount on already below 6%. Subject to credit approval, of course. Rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com for more information. That'll do it, by the way, for a Fantasy Feast podcast this week. You know, I didn't even mention it at the start, Evan, but I'll mention it now. Huge news. Huge news. Starting next week, we are doing two shows a week all the way through the season. Not just one Fantasy Feast, but two Fantasy Feasts. You know why? Because you guys deserve it and you are worth it. So get fired up. That means more guests, more perspective, more Tears of Evan, more strategy, more player breakdowns, more everything. Get fired up. If you're not already subscribing to the show, make sure you're subscribing to it. Please rate and review it and spread the word because it's going to be awesome. We usually don't start that until week one of the season. We're starting that, what, about six, seven weeks early because we are not messing around. We're going two times a week starting when fantasy football season really starts next week when training camps start to open. Other than that, I'm totally stuffed. Hopefully you're already following Evan on Twitter, at Evan Silva, and me at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram, or on Facebook, facebook facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft podcast, all available on iTunes at Rostucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.